Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, we have a very exciting guest with us today. As I've told you guys before, I absolutely adore doing podcasting because I get access to some amazing people that have amazing stories, and I get to help share those stories with you so we can all kind of come together and and learn together and draw together and get strengthened together. Well, one of the reasons why I'm so interested in today's guest is because of what's been going on in the media lately. It seems as if every time you turn on the television, there is some kind of violent act that's being perpetrated on some innocent victims, and we're left standing there watching the TV wondering, oh my gosh, I, how are they feeling? How are they doing? What was that like? What did it feel like? How did they recover? And we never know because, you know, then the media, then they move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and we never really know. Well, today we have a guest. His name is Adam Lucero. And Adam, actually, it was in 2016. He was just innocently watching a movie in a movie theater, and he was stabbed in the throat, arm, and chest. And it went way down in his arm, almost out the other side, and punctured his lung. I want to take a moment first to say, Adam, oh my gosh, I'm I'm so sorry that happened. But really, once we hear your whole story, it's going to be definitely a, a Phoenix movement, mm-hmm. a Phoenix motion. So Adam, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Appreciate you having me on. Awesome. So really kind of take us there if you would and help us understand from the very beginning, what was that like for you? What happened exactly? What was going on? And then just sort of mm-hmm. tell us your story. It was just the classic go to the movies and get stabbed in the throat scenario, you know, just the <laughs> classic one. Um, but no, rewind a bit. So basically, I accepted it. I graduated college and I accepted a sales job in San Francisco. And so two weeks before the job started, I didn't have housing. I was like, all right, let's go up there and find something. So I stay at my aunt's place and she tells me, Adam, you have to be out of the house for eight hours. I have clients coming over. I was like, okay. Knew one person in the area hung out with him for about four hours. Then he had to go. So I was like, all right, what am I going to do in an area where I know no one and I have four hours to kill? Like, I'll go to a movie by myself. So I go in there and, you know, it's a Wednesday, like 2 p.m. Not many people in theater, like 15, 20. And the movie starts and I'm just watching as anyone would do. But all of a sudden, I feel a hard hit to my throat. And I was like, my initial reaction was like, this guy hit me hard. And so I stood up and I was like, dude, what the hell? And then I felt another punch to my arm and chest. So then I turn around and I push him. And as I push him, I feel a cut on my wrist and ear. And instantly, I knew I got stabbed. You see, we only have the, most people only have the experience of like slicing themselves, cutting themselves with a slice. And that's a very distinct feeling, but appears is actually much different, which is why I thought I got hit. But nonetheless, once I realized I got stabbed, the lights turned on, he started running away. And I take off my shirt, wrap it on my neck. I'm like holding the blood in. And then these two older women come running up. They're like, what should we do? And I tell them, just put pressure on my neck. Like hold the blood in. So they're putting pressure there. Then I hear someone say, should we call 911? 
And I'm as I'm bleeding out on the floor, I yell, yeah, you should call 911. Yeah. If you don't call them in this situation, when would you? Like, I, I, just, I was full of rage. I was like, this is what 911 is designed for. And so I just remember being oh. so pissed off. I was like, oh, my God. <sighs> and then so my perception of time is distorted because I have um, bleeding out, adrenaline, whatever it may be. But I say about five to ten minutes passes before paramedics come. And then they start asking me all these questions. What year is it? What's your mom's name? Like, who's president? And I know they're making sure I'm conscious, staying with them. But my only emotion is just pure rage. I'm like, shut up and save me. Like, come on. How about you save me? Yeah. Like, I'm bleeding out. And so they're like, all right, let's get them up on the stretcher. And so they pin me up on the stretcher. And I feel all my wounds worse than their initial stabbing because I don't have the adrenaline in me anymore. Mm -hmm. And it was just so painful. Now, that one person on the front right, one on the front left, one on the back right, and one on the back left of the stretcher. And so they step over a row of, of chairs. And I feel all my wounds worse than the initial stabbing again. And so the person on the front left would go over. And then I feel all my wounds worse than getting stabbed again. So for every row of seats there was, it felt like I got stabbed in my throat, arm, and chest, like time and time again. And I remember just looking at the ceiling, just literally trying not to scream my guts out. Like I remember like screaming so hard internally, like, like just like this. I was like, this is so painful. It's like excruciating. And so they'd get me into the ambulance and... I remember thinking like, okay, the paramedics got me. I can start to relax. And as soon as I get that thought, I get a cold rush through my entire body. It was like nothing I've ever experienced. And I was like, oh, that's like, I lost a lot of blood. Like I could die right now because before I didn't even have this thought. I was just in mode, like survive, survive, survive. And then they grab an oxygen mask and they put it over my face. I remember thinking, do not fall asleep. You're not supposed to fall asleep in this situation. Five seconds later, I'm knocked out. Like, whatever that bit was, it was hardcore. And so I wake up seven days later from a coma, and I'm living off tubes. If you unplug those tubes, you unplugged my life. Wow. And while I was grateful to be alive, it felt like a lost whole sense of who I was. Like, every ounce of muscle I had from years of weightlifting, gone. I was six foot, 130 pounds. I couldn't walk anymore. Like, my legs forgot how to work, and I couldn't eat. I couldn't talk there's just like i was so broken but the worst part was what happened to me mentally like i was full of self-doubts and really fears i started questioning do i really have what it takes to run a successful business anymore is my potential in life gonna rot away with my ambitions and adam let me pause you for just a moment here because i just want the listeners and myself to just i think this deserves just a moment of attention Mm -hmm. you were in a coma for seven days Mm mm-hmm then you woke up, tubes coming out of you right and left. Basically, if the machines around you that were beeping and all that kind of stuff were flicked off, you would die. Mm-hmm. You got to the point where you were basically you're six feet and you were 130 pounds. pounds. Yep. I mean, Sticking not to be over. not to say something facetious here, but I'm just like five three. I'd love to weigh 130. So I can imagine <laughs> if you were six feet and 130 pounds, you must have been just a skeleton. Mm-hmm, and also much. what you said there that I really caught on to when I was reading your bio was that you just lost all sense of who you were. Mm-hmm. Just this, this idea of who even am I? These things that I used to have about myself and about mm-hmm. my life that, that gave me identity, that gave me value, mm-hmm. that gave me purpose mm-hmm. and drive and reason for being. 
mm-hmm. were essentially stripped away from you and you were alive, but a shell and you had just lost all sense of, of who you were. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, I and think it that changes just... your perspective. Like when you feel that weak, you feel that helpless, you start to question all, everything you've ever wanted in your life. You start to think it's now too far out of your reach. If you didn't already think that before, now it definitely is because now you're just the weakest version of yourself. Yeah. So I'm wondering when, when you were right there, because I know we've got this wonderful, you know, ashes to Phoenix story that's, mm-hmm. that's coming, but I really think it's important to honor and respect the, the difficulty that mm-hmm. you had to face and what it felt like to be in that moment mm-hmm. when, and, and really the, the interest that I have in where you were psychologically and emotionally, when here you were basically a, a scarecrow of a man Mm-hmm. lost all your sense of who you were, the life that you knew you couldn't do anymore at that moment. Mm-hmm. What were some thoughts that you had? What were some feelings that you had along the way that you felt were were beginning to be transformative for you as you look back? Were you, are, so you're looking for like hardship moments or like things when things started to pivot? Both, because I think so they're related. In terms, yeah, so in terms of the hardships, you just really question if you're good enough, you question if you can accomplish your goals anymore. And for me, I was pissed off. Like, why did this happen to me? Like, of course this happened to me. And so just a lot of negative self-talk, but it was at that point when I found, I discovered that my legs don't work anymore, that things kind of shifted. I was like, all right, I'm like, now I'm just pissed off. I'm like, I used to be a division one track athlete, cross country athlete. Now I can't even stand up. Like I just had so much anger in that moment. I told myself and one year, I'm going to be faster, I'm going to be stronger, and I'm just going to be happier than I was before. Because before I got stabbed, I was just in such a great place, such a high in life. And so I told myself in one year, I'm going to be faster, be stronger, and be happier. Within one year, I ran a 459 mile. I was pitting up pretty close to the amount of the weight I was before. And I was just in a pretty great place. And I think it was, first of all, having that goal, like, all right, I know where I'm at, it sucks, but this is where I want to go. The shorter term goal, like one year goal. Right. And it gave me that goal. And I was like, all right, if I have, if I want to actually achieve this, something needs to switch because how I'm operating right now isn't empowering me, me being a victim and blaming my circumstances, what happened. Cool. That makes me feel better about myself, but it doesn't progress my life the way it needs to go or in the direction it needs to go. And so it was at this point, I was like, all right, I can give up on my potential or I can accept what happened and move forward with that. And so I just fully accepted it. I need to pause you there because I think you're covering some really, really important things. And I just want to kind of hover over those things and go a little bit slower. So I know that a lot of people that I've talked to before, both as patients and as podcast guests, Mm -hmm. they've struggled at times and tried to find a way beyond the question of why, Mm -hmm. why me? why did this horrible thing happen to me? And especially if people felt like they were trying to live a good life, they were trying to make good choices, mm-hmm. they were trying to be good, good people. Mm-hmm. And then something really awful happened to them that they did not, they did not see that anyway in any shape or form as a natural consequence of any choice of their own. Yeah. Some people have a hard time getting to that point of acceptance that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. How, how were you able to, because you had that anger mm-hmm. and then you had the question of why, I think it's a, just a matter of perspective. You have to realize, like, how is he, how is you 
not accepting responsibility for what happened benefiting your life. And oftentimes you can't give an answer because it's not. It's literally just holding you back. And so once I realized this, it gave me the power to just switch it. It's it's a victim mentality, which is totally reasonable, by the way. I could have been a victim for the rest of my life and no one would have been questioning it, right? But mm-hmm. you just have to realize like, it's not benefiting your life in any way. I mean, is it helping you get past your issues so that you progress in life, feel better about yourself? Or is it keeping you stuck in this vicious cycle where you don't feel good about yourself? And so ultimately, it's a choice that you just have to make. And it's more of a mental choice. And I guess it just comes through the awareness and the perspective change that I had where I was like, it's not serving me. I'm not going to do this anymore if it's not serving me. And so once I fully accepted it, that's when everything changed for me. I was like, all right, I'm stepping into my power. This happened. This is what I got to do to get better. So we have physical therapy, speech therapy. Um, I had nerve damage in my tongue, couldn't speak. I had to go normal therapy. I have metal plates in my jaw. I had to go to EMT. So I had all these different appointments. But the other, on top of it, wasn't just these like five or six appointments I had to go to a week, all the daily activities I had to do for that. But also I was at a point where my energy was so low that getting up to go to the bathroom, it literally felt like a marathon. Mm. You know, I would, I would be eating a meal and I would fall asleep on my plate because I would be tired. Eating exerted so much energy that wow. I had to nap. And so wow. just you know, eating made you no, so literally yeah. I napped every time I ate a meal. I was like, this is crazy. Like I don't have the energy to eat and I can't think clearly. Like if you ask me what 11 times 11 is, I couldn't solve it. Like I would literally wouldn't be able to solve it. And so it's like, not only is like, again, this is where it comes into a lot of the self-doubt. I was like, I am so weak and pathetic right now. And so not only did I have to do all this physical therapy, speech therapy, all these different appointments and exercise for that. But I had to learn how the human body and brain works. How can we boost our energy levels? How can we boost our mental alertness so that we can perform at a higher level and accomplish more in a day? And Uh so it was just step by step, step by step, day by day. I just started to continually do all these things that would improve my life. And it eventually just picks up momentum. Well, and we are absolutely, because you got to some really wonderful things that we are going to cover, because um, mm-hmm. I'm excited about that part as well. I did want to point out that you said that at one point you had the cognitive function comparable to a four-year-old. <laughs> That's what I and I want to say, you know, listen, if we're, we're really stopping and hovering over and unpacking what you're saying, truly absorbing it, mm-hmm. you had every reason to, to really pull on that victim cloak Mm-hmm. and to just wear it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. If anybody had a reason, you had multiple reasons that you have given <laughs> us. I mean, very concrete reasons and, and multiple different ones of things that you were having to struggle with that were significant. And you could have just said, poor me, mm-hmm. you know, I can't do this and I can't do that. And, you know, other people can do those things and I can't do those things. And everybody should, you know, feel I'm just kind of pathetic. They should feel sorry for me. I'm, I can't do this. And you could have just curled up Mm -hmm. into a fetal position and played a victim. And I do want to say that for the people out there that are listening, if you happen to be struggling with that mentality, if you're going through something like that, that is an option, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't turn out well. And I think that's something that Adam, that you're sharing with us and you're going to share more with us about how you said it does you, what you said was it didn't serve you, you know, really wrapping up in that victim cloak mm-hmm. did not serve you as how you wanted your life to turn out. So mm-hmm. listeners, if there's anybody out there and you're kind of struggling with that, that kind of desire, that compulsion to want to 
be a victim because it's hard to turn away from that. And some people mm-hmm. have every reason. They have a hundred reasons why they could absolutely just put on that victim cloak for decades to come. But the question is, is that going to serve you? And also, mm-hmm. since I'm called the queen of boundaries, I want to say also that if you all are in a relationship with someone and they are wrapping themselves in the victim cloak and they mm-hmm. want you to feel sorry for them and they want you to play into that role with them, you do not have to do that. Mm-hmm. And that does not make you a mean, hateful or bad person. It's just saying you're not you going to participate. Yeah. Yes. You are wanting them to step into their power and you can't make them do that. Mm-hmm. And so if they refuse to do that, you can decide if you're going to participate in that whole victim yeah. dynamic with them or not, because it might be you that is dealing with the victim mentality or it might be someone you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of understanding that that's not healthy for anybody. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is to those people that are struggling to make that mental switch from victim to full responsibility or acceptance is like, you also have to think like, if you're already not happy with what your life looks like, how are you going to feel in two more years of you on this same path? I mean, every single day, all your problems get worse. How you feel about yourself continues to get worse and worse. And is that the the parents you want to be? Is that the brother? Is that the daughter? Whoever, whatever role you are, is that who you want to be for the ones that you love in your life? And so that's just kind of something you have to start to think about is like, what is your life going to look like in two, five or 10 years if you stay on the same path? Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent mm-hmm. way to look at that. And whether it's your own path or whether it's someone that you know, whether it's mm-hmm. a close relative or a friend or someone and they're they're struggling with that, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like you you have the right to either encourage them and participate in a healthy way or you can participate with their dysfunction, it's, mm-hmm. but it's your and choice. Enable it. Yeah, uh-huh. it's your exactly. choice, exactly. Their uh-huh. actions are their actions, your actions are your actions. Yes, and but sometimes, and I want to toss this out and then I want to get to all the stuff that you learned, which I'm so excited mm-hmm. about was that sometimes when you have someone that's close to you that is intent on being a victim for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, people have lots of different reasons for just Mm -hmm. clinging to that victim mentality. If you don't go along with that and you don't participate in that with them, they frequently will turn on you and call you names and say that you're hateful Mm -hmm. and you're unforgiving and you're unkind and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff because you're not going, oh, bless your heart. That's Mm -hmm. so awful. I'm so sorry for you. Mm -hmm. And so be... I'm just telling you guys, when you start practicing healthy boundaries, if you happen to be in a relationship with someone who won't let go of the victim mentality, they might do these things. That doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that you're unkind. It does not mean that you're unforgiving. It does not mean that you're hateful. It means Mm -hmm. that you're walking a healthy path Mm -hmm. and you're not going to enable them Mm -hmm. to participate in something dysfunctional. They're not going to like that. Mm-hmm. So that's setting boundaries sometimes is, is helpful, but not easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it's definitely helpful. It's 100% helpful. <laughs> All right. So Adam, you're in this place where you're, you're getting stronger. You're going to therapies day by day, week by week passes, and you keep going to therapy. You're, you're getting a little bit stronger. Your brain is getting better. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're able to think better. You're able to mm-hmm. speak better, walk better. Tell us what happens. Yeah. So eventually got to a point where I started to feel like a functional human being again after <laughs> lots and lots of time passing and putting in the work. And then, so after that, I was like, all right, my job that I actually was up there for, they actually held the position for me and they actually helped me like financially. They're great during the whole thing. So they're like, your job's ready for you whenever you're ready. So I went there and I started working for them. 
and things are great. Like I was only working 25 or 30 hours a week at a full-time job. And then they were giving me like a, on track for a promotion, like two times quicker than most people would get it. And that was a pretty high paying job. And so things are going fantastic, but something inside of me just didn't feel right. Like, I don't know what it is. I started to walk in the office and just like, wasn't excited. Wasn't, it felt like my soul was being sucked out of me. And I realized as I started reflecting on my life, I was like, I've never held a job longer than two or three months because, and then I realized I was like, I just, I can't do it. Like I, it literally kills me. I don't feel like a human being when I'm in there. Like I, I feel like my soul's literally been sucked out of me. And so I just realized like, I can't work for someone else. Like this is the best job I could probably get working 25, 30 hours, good money with freedom, like everything. And I was like, I still hate it. I still hate this. And so then I called up my brother who runs a marketing business. And I asked if I could help him grow his business or work on his business, them go more the entrepreneur route, because this is kind of what I've done as growing up. And so I worked with him for about a year, gained a lot of skills. And then eventually I started my own business. And I was like, what am I most passionate about? And I kind of dawned on me. I was like, I friends would call me up, tell me they want help with their energy, mental alertness, or they're just trying to achieve more. And I started realizing like I would be on the phone with them for 90 minutes, two hours, and I would feel energized. Like it was like, you see those speakers on stage and they just seem full of energy. They're charismatic. And I was like, I was that version of myself when I was speaking to them. And it kind of dawned on me. I was like, I love helping people become more powerful, helping them achieve more in life. And so they feel better about themselves because when you don't achieve much, you feel bad about yourself. You start feeling like a shadow of the man you should be or the person you should be. And so I guess that's where I really discovered is like, I like helping people be empowered, whether it's their perspective, their physical performance, whatever it is, I like helping people reach their full potential in a nutshell. And so since then, that's what I've been doing. Typically, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs or just really driven people. But yeah, that's essentially where I'm at. And now, so I run a business around it. Wow. And I'm going to, I'm so excited to figure out kind of what your business entails and how you're helping Mm -hmm. people. I want to take a moment though, and kind of hover over that, that phase where you were going into a job Mm -hmm. that you tried, like, you know, you're every kind of average person goes in and, Mm -hmm. and works for the man or whatever works for whoever. And for some people that's great. And they, they enjoy it and they enjoy going into the office or their cubicle or whatever, whatever it is. But you noticed that you couldn't stay in a position like that longer than two to three months. I think that's what you said Mm -hmm. before you felt like your soul was just being sucked out of you. And so I I think that is so important that you were able to acknowledge that. And instead Mm -hmm. of repeatedly going in into, because, and the reason well, one of the reasons I'm pointing that out is because I talk to people that don't recognize and honor that and they keep mm-hmm. doing it. And, and then, then they, just... they end up depressed. They mm-hmm. end up on antidepressant medication, which that medication is fine. A lot of people take that, but sometimes they also end up drinking too mm-hmm. much. They end up on drugs because yeah, they're trying a... to medicate this soul sucking just a band-aid feeling. Solution. Yeah. And they can't. So instead of like thinking, what else can I do? They just keep beating their head against that same wall. Mm-hmm. And I really like your story in that you acknowledged how that made you feel on the inside. You kept trying, you know, mm-hmm. A for effort oh, yeah. there. But yeah. then you're like, I, this keeps happening. It's not just that job. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not just those people. It's not just that company. It's me. Yeah. I, I feel this inside of me, no matter what mm-hmm. situation like that I go to. So here's a pattern here. 
and you acknowledged that and you said, okay, I've, I've got to reach out. I've got to get something else going on. And then you noticed what really made you feel energized and jazzed mm-hmm. and excited. And you followed that. That's mm-hmm. really amazing. Mm-hmm. Appreciate it. Yeah. And so to your point, it's like a lot of people, they focus on like the Band-Aid solution, alcohol, drugs, antidepressants to minimize the effect. But then it's like, you're just going to be on these this cycle for the rest of your life unless you fix the actual root cause of the problem. And so yep. really spending time in the silence and just disconnecting from all these electronics and time to reflect on your life really can do wonders for that. Okay. So you said something I can't pass by. <laughs> you said spending time in the silence. Mm-hmm. That is huge. And I talk to my patients about this and I've discovered from talking to countless people that many times the reason why people do not want to spend time in the silence is because of the thoughts and feelings that are waiting for them there. Mm-hmm. Thoughts they don't want to think, feelings they don't want to feel. And so they spend their life in this frenetic pursuit of activity, which is a, basically an avoidance tactic in those situations mm-hmm. to avoid thinking their thoughts and feeling their feelings because it makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to do that. So when you talk about spending time in the silence, mm-hmm. that's huge. Mm-hmm. It's it's daunting for a lot of people, but it's a really big deal. No matter what you're trying to achieve in life or whatever, that's the key to growth and success. So the way I think about it is what's happening when you're in silence is you're, first of all, you have to realize your mind is a separate entity than you. You are not your thoughts. They just come in there. Like your mind is literally a separate animal that actually causes depression, anxiety. And literally, if you can, I say this with confidence because I've seen it in experience. Every time where I feel anxious, I feel depressed, I feel sadness, I realize I'm in my head. There's lots of thoughts. There's lots of mind activity. Every single time in my life where I've felt at truly at peace and joy and bliss, there was no mind activity. I was very in the moment for whatever the reason. And this is often why people drink is because it gets them to a state where their thoughts are gone and they're fully present in the moment and they enjoy life a lot more. Um, And so through my experiences and also just kind of reading on this topic is like, first of all, once you silence your mind, anxiety, depression, any internal turmoil will vanish from your life the instant you're actually fully present in the moment. Now it's harder, easier said than done. But the other thing is when you're in silence and you're not using your thinking mind or your conscious mind, you're tapping into your subconscious mind, which is far more powerful. It's connected to your higher consciousness and brings you breakthroughs. And so you look at some of the most revolutionary people in the world, Nikola Tesla, Henry Ford, Albert Einstein, they all talk about their biggest breakthroughs coming through when they stopped thinking about the problems. They said eight hours they'd be thinking about the problem, unable to solve it, go for a walk, and just observing nature. Then boom, this idea flows into their head. And it's like a eureka moment. You're like, ah, there we go. Henry Ford, uh, I think it was actually Albert Einstein, said same thing in his sleep. He would go to sleep when you're thinking mind's the least active, your subconscious is the most active, and he would get lots of breakthroughs, wake up, take those notes, or even just go work or whatever it may be. And so the more time you spend in the silence, the more you start to actually discover yourself. The more breakthroughs, reflection that you have, lots more growth. And so just spending time in silence is one of the most key things. And yes, it might be uncomfortable, but then you just have to realize like, again, a lot of it comes through just 
being aware of how much suffering comes when the mind is very active. And then you have to realize it's not you. It's a separate entity. And once you disconnect yourself and realize your mind is not you, it's actually trying to control you, well, then you have the power to shift that, to focus your attention more gently to the present moment. And so you might be thinking, Adam, it's hard to be present. And yeah, it is. Don't get me wrong. It's tons of training and tons of awareness and reflection and observation. But one of the things I like to do is like focus on your energy inside your body. So try and have that mind-body connection where it's like, okay, I'm feeling my left big toe right now in my on my left foot. And now I'm going to the next toe and next toe and try and really feel your body. The more you can connect to how you feel and have that mind-body connection, the more present you'll be by nature. That is awesome. Very, very good mindfulness techniques, Mm -hmm. just kind of being in the moment. Mm -hmm. So you said that you started researching things once you kind of started getting your energy back and getting your flow back and finding Mm -hmm. your space and finding where, you know, your groove, you started researching secrets of evolution, biology, epigenetics. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about that. Yeah, so it's ultimately it's how can you use food and nutrition to really change how your genes are expressed. That's ultimately the way I look at it. Whenever you do anything, it's really affecting how your genes are expressed. And I know you're probably thinking, what are you talking about? You're born with genes that are good or you're born with ones that are bad. And to an extent, you're right. Some people are born with better genes that are going to pack on muscle easier or whatever it may be. But it's your actions that affect how those genes are expressed and ultimately how your body performs. So it's essentially you can send signals to your body to make it perform better. I mean, it's not rocket science. We all know this. Stop eating the garbage foods, uh, processed foods, vegetable oils, all this kind of stuff. Cut out that stuff. You're going to feel a lot better. Now, besides that, what I found that works a lot for my energy levels and me just feeling the best, like when I'm in a higher state of performance, usually what I'm doing is cutting out more of the carbs and getting my metabolic state to use fat for energy. And so this really helps with your energy levels for a few reasons, but I like using an analogy here. So imagine you're camping and you want to build a fire that lasts through the night. Yeah, you could go grab a bunch of twigs and build a roaring flame that's going to be huge real quick, but then it's going to dwindle out. That's kind of what carbs or glycogen are for energy. And this is why when people eat it a few hours later, they typically crash. They get tired. It's really the blood sugar and all that. So your energy goes up and down. It's like that. But if you use fats for energy, it's like building a fire with a bunch of big logs. It's much more stable and consistent. It's going to last throughout the entire night. And so by building the metabolic state to use fat for energy, you're going to get to a point where you can, like there have been times where I don't eat for like, nine or 10 hours. And I don't even notice, like I'm just grinding, whatever it may be doing my daily activities. And then something will feel like a little off. I'm like, ah, I feel like a little tired. Like something just doesn't feel totally right. And I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten in like 10 hours. Whereas if I was using carbs for energy, oh, after two or three hours, I'd get grumpy. I'd get angry. I'd get irritable. And so that's one of the things that's really helped me kind of help with the energy levels. Besides that, there's different types of workouts that you can do to increase your mitochondria, deliver more oxygen to your brain so you think more clearly. And so there's different things you can do. And so ultimately, we call it superhuman performance. It's really everything you can do to optimize your health so that you just perform at a higher level day in and day out. That sounds fantastic. Now, there were some questions that uh, we said earlier that, you know, you kind of list on Podmatch that, that you can mm-hmm. answer. And there was a few of them that I picked out. I thought, oh, these are good ones. So regarding everything that you just said, I think people mm-hmm. hear things like that and they're like, oh, that sounds good. But 
Mm-hmm. And the question is, how do you kill procrastination? Because I can imagine being a listener and listening to you say these things and think, oh, that's that's good. That's good. I think those are good ideas. And then I'm going to try, you know, cl- click off the podcast and I'm going to go about my business and I'm going to put it off mm-hmm. and I'm going to put it off until I forget about it. So mm-hmm. how how do you kill the procrastination so that we can put into motion these things that we hear mm-hmm. that are going to help us so we don't keep putting it off and putting it off until other things in life press in and mm-hmm. then we forget what we were mm-hmm. going to do and why we were going to do it. Yeah. So there's different ways to tackle procrastination, but ultimately, so this is funny that you asked that because that's literally what the first pillar of my program is. Um, but what you need to do is link your two minds together. And so you might be thinking, what are you talking about? So again, you have your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. Now, Contrary to popular belief, your subconscious mind actually controls the vast majority of your actions. 95% of your actions in a day are made subconsciously. Adam, what are you talking about? Okay, when you woke up, did you think about which hand you're going to use to lift the sheets off your body? Which foot you're going to land on first? Where you're going to step next? No. So how did these decisions get made? Subconsciously through your habits. This is also why you've likely had times where you're driving, you zone out, and then all of a sudden you just zone back in and you're at your destination. How the heck did I get here? You have no conscious recall. Again, your subconscious mind took over. And so lots of times when people try changing their actions or say they're going to go on this new diet workout, they're using their conscious mind, declaring to themselves they're going to do X, Y, and Z. We all know what happens. That commitment doesn't even last 10 days if they're lucky before they're back into their old patterns and ruts. And so what we do is mind linking. So what happens when you get your two minds working together instead of battling each other When you tell yourself you're going to do something, you actually do it and you feel motivated to do it. And so there's a few ways you can link your minds together. But in order to kill procrastination, there's also a perspective switch that has the power to instantly kill procrastination. And so what we say is you have to operate from commitment, whether like I want you to look back at any area of your life that you've achieved excellence, whether it's in school, in a sports team, in your job, your career, whatever it is. And you're going to look that at those times where you exceeded and achieved your goals, you were committed to the outcome you wanted. You didn't care how you felt on a given day. You simply pushed through. And so again, this is opening up your awareness. I, I want you to look back at your life, look at those times you crushed and realize you were committed. You didn't let your emotions dictate your actions. You operated at a much more powerful place. And so for this, it's again, opening your awareness. The more times you reflect and realize that, and then you look back at the times where you failed or you failed or didn't get the outcome you want, you're going to realize you weren't committed. You let your emotions dictate your actions. And so what we always say is like, look at all the highest performing people on this planet. Do you think Elon Musk wakes, like he gets three hours of sleep. Do you think he always feels good and energized? No, but he always pushes through because he's committed to the change he wants to have in this world. And so what we always say is you have to operate from commitment no matter what area of life, if you actually want to achieve excellence and hit your goals. And so what we do for this is, again, get them to reflect on the times where they stay committed. And then we get them committed to this process where they link their two minds together. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. And I've actually talked to my patients before because I do a lot of trauma work. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the part of the brain, the amygdala and hippocampus, that is mm-hmm. basically the emotional part of our brain and how much stronger and faster it is than the mm-hmm. neocortex, which has the reasoning and the logic. Yes. So I understand exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely spot on about that part of our brain, how how powerful mm-hmm. it is in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before we get our listeners kind of 
channeled over to where they can get more access from me or yeah, access to you. I just want to take a moment and just sort of just hover over the fact of how far you came, what happened to you and, and how far you progressed. I mean, you went from being Mm -hmm. brutally stabbed, almost dying in a movie theater because people didn't even know if they should call (laughs) nine one one. And then you were in a coma for seven days. You didn't even know you were basically a scarecrow of -hmm. a young man who could barely walk, couldn't even hardly think, had the cognitive Mm -hmm. ability of a four-year-old to come all this way to do what you're doing now, I just think is amazing. And I think it's worth just taking a moment to just acknowledge that. That is, that is huge. Cause I know when you've done it and you've been living it, sometimes we just have to stop and go, let's just be mindful just for two seconds. Yeah. And go, wow, Mm -hmm. that's freaking amazing. And, Mm -hmm. and how wonderful. And so now you are here and committed doing something that you love that isn't soul sucking Mm -hmm. because you found what gives you passion and and Mm -hmm. what what fills you up with joy to be able to reach out and help other people. And I definitely want to get my listeners that have listened to your story and they're like, Oh my gosh, I've got to hear more about what Adam has to say and Mm -hmm. really kind of join along with him. And maybe he can help me Mm -hmm. go farther down my path because I'm having trouble myself. Maybe I can kind of join and he can help me on my path. So what I have here is superhumanceo.com. Yep. Is that the website that you would like for my listeners to go to? Yeah. So basically, again, it's just going to kind of recap my story, give you more background and just client results and stuff. And then if you're interested, you're like, hey, I like what this guy has to talk about. Maybe you can help me. There's a link on there you can click to book a call, speak either with me or my team, and we'll see if it's a good fit. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. <laughs> Thank you for, for spending you your me- time and your, your energy and, and you just bringing and sharing your story with me and my listeners. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. <laughs> okay, guys. So like I said, and I'll put this in the show notes, but go to superhumanceo.com to find more information about Adam and how he can possibly help you get to the next level of where you need to go in your life. And like I said before, being the the queen of boundaries, you can, you know, if you want to know more about that, you can go to my website at danaskags.com, take the quiz, you know, sign up for a course. It's just amazing. So this podcast, you, I know you've heard something today that has been amazing to you. And also, like I always say, if you have a friend, if you have a family member, if you have a coworker that you're thinking, oh my gosh, I know the exact person that needs to hear this. It's spot on exactly what they need send it to them, copy and paste the link and text and email, put it on, plaster it on your, your social, your favorite social media platforms. Let's get the word out. Let's, let's open and spread and grow our Phoenix and Flame community. I hope you've had a wonderful day. I hope the rest of your day goes great. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.